You're listening to New England Public Radio News. I'm Susan Kaplan, and this is The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. Joining us today, Rick Hurst, publisher of the newspaper African American Point of View. Welcome again, Rick. Well, it's good to be here again. Thank you. And we're joined by Matt Fransky. He runs the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Great to have you join us, Matt. Very happy to be here. This is one of those weeks where there's more challenging news than we could possibly cover. So let's begin with the disturbing arrest of a 23-year-old Alexander Chicolo for allegedly planning to attack a college. He lives in Western Mass, and his father is a captain in the Boston Police Department. Here's reporter David Boeri's description of Chicolo's first public court appearance. He devoted himself to an extreme form of Islam, Assistant U.S. Attorney Kevin O'Regan told the judge magistrate. He developed a hatred of America. That hatred deepened and deepened. This led him to the most unimaginable statements and to espouse these unbelievable thoughts about killing Americans. He remains locked up. But since then, a tragic shooting in Tennessee has left four Marines dead, one of those Thomas Sullivan, a gunnery sergeant, Iraq veteran, and reportedly a Purple Heart recipient who went to Cathedral High School. Matt, these two cases really bring domestic terrorism close to home. What's the takeaway from this? Well, I think there are two. The the first is, and this is very important, is that we try to always keep things in perspective and make sure that as we experience these events, whether they are the terrorism themselves or prevent an attack, we're able to still stay steady and keep our civil liberties intact. Um, The last thing we want to ever have happen is that we become afraid and we retreat from that. In the case of the, the particularly Sergeant Sullivan, I think this is a, a, a positive, not positive, but it represents the strength of the community that we have in East Forest Park, in particular that cathedral community, because there's been such an outpouring of, of uh, grief uh, for this person's death in, in terrible circumstances. And uh, it, it's, it, it reflects well on Sergeant Sullivan that he will be so missed by so many people here. Mm-hmm. And Rick, your first thoughts on this? Well, my first thought on it is that these things are going to continue to happen, and they're going to continue to happen for many, many years to come. And um, there's there's not a whole lot you can do about it except for to be diligent. And um, and that's pretty much it. I think the um, Chicolo, I think that's how you pronounce Chicolo. it. Chicolo. Chicolo. You know, he also had, had, had mental health problems. And when you combine that with the, this ideological nonsense that's driving these young people uh, to kill Americans, it, it's hard to defense it. Well, and this is why I'm, I'm kind of fascinated that you're both lawyers, because I do have a question about the challenges that it presents to law enforcement about these you know, lone wolf acts of domestic terrorism. As you said, there's seemingly not a lot that can be done, but... Is that really, as more and more of these kinds of things happen, do you think it's going to push law enforcement and, and legal people like yourself to, to, think, to think a little harder about that and come up with something that can be done? Well, it, it's <laughs> yes, in a sense, because every time something happens, we look for a, a more effective means for controlling it. 
but but there's only so much you can do, and it's got to be within the confines of the Constitution. Well, what are some of the things that you could do that maybe haven't been done yet? Well, one of the things you can do is increase your uh, your surveillance a little more. Another thing you can do is provide some kind of uh, some kind of more security, I mean, to low-level targets. One thing that I noticed about what happened in Chattanooga mm -hmm. was that um, they, they went after the recruiters, mm -hmm. and, and, that's, and those are the ones who got killed. They don't carry guns. Uh, you can provide them with guns, or at least you can, if you're not going to give them all guns, then at least put somebody in there with a weapon who can protect them. Uh, it's very small stuff. There's not a lot of stuff you can do to stop a crazy person from shooting folks. Well, you know, Matt... That's one of my questions here is, is there a tipping point? You mentioned and both of you mentioned how our essential freedoms and the Constitution is something important to keep in mind as we try to battle these things that keep happening that are so random and hard to control. But is there a tipping point that might make legislators or the public demand some kind of judicial or a law enforcement or public policy action or campaign what what might that look like? What could we do? Well, I, I think, unfortunately, well, fortunately or unfortunately, depending on how you view the impact on civil liberties, um, it would take something much larger than this. I mean, this is not the first shooting of a military target in the United States over the last few years. They've been distressingly common, I would have to say. However, I, I think you might start to see, especially if there is more to the mental health angle with uh, Chicolo you're going to start to see more and more of an effort to really address that. And I think that will be good because it will recognize the fact that some of these people who are being radicalized may not necessarily be the healthiest people mentally. And that will diffuse the impulse to start engaging in civil liberties attacks or worse, encouraging more discrimination against Muslims. And you have to realize that we, we've already come close to the edge of the Constitution with the National Security Agency. We've done we, about as much as we can do without well, trampling on our rights. Well, let me ask you uh, a slightly different uh, angle on law enforcement. You know, th this conversation is happening at the same time that Connecticut's governor and President Obama are calling for criminal justice reform across the system. What would top your list in terms of criminal justice reform? I think that you've got to stop putting low-level offenders in prison. I mean, that to me is the biggest problem we've got now. We have the biggest prison population in the world. And it skyrocketed when back in the day when we started talking about, you know, crime and, and, and making it a big center stage thing. And we didn't distinguish between the ones we needed to put in jail and the ones we didn't need to put in jail. And now we're paying more money for jail than we do for education. Matt, does the mental health component come into this at all? Absolutely, because the mental health component will help people before they necessarily would be committing crimes. Because a lot of people have mental health issues that aren't going to excuse them from their crimes. They still would otherwise go to jail. But we start do, di diminishing that, and that would certainly help people get getting into the system. And we need to have, we need to have more drug programs. People who are, who are on drugs are, can't find a place for rehabilitation. And so you just this thing snowballs, and they end up in jail. Well, first of all, we want to send our condolences to the family of Sergeant Sullivan, and we are done for today in this conversation. Rick Hurst is publisher of African American Point of View. Matt Safransky edits the Western Mass Politics and Insight blog. Thanks to both of you. Thank you so much. You're more than welcome. And thank you for listening to The Shortlist, NEPR's Week in Review. This is New England Public Radio. I'm Susan Kaplan. 